is the CEO, president, and founder of Love Thy Nerd, a ministry that exists to be the love of Jesus to nerds and nerd culture. His 12 years in vocational ministry on multiple church staffs helped to inform the needs of those both inside and outside of church culture. Having been a nerd culture missionary since 2012, Bubba seeks to connect those with the common mission of making a difference in nerd culture for the cause of Christ. Please welcome Bubba Stallcup to the Nerd Culture Ministry Summit. Hey, my name is Bubba Stallcup. I'm the CEO, president, and founder of this tiny organization called Love Thy Nerd that has a really simple mission statement, and that is to be the love of Jesus to nerds and nerd culture. And it is specifically vague. We do that on purpose so that we can move in ways that God calls us to move in the areas that he has called us to move in. And so over the next couple of minutes here, we're going to be talking a little bit how we do that, how the pandemic, how COVID changed a lot of stuff for us. We were in a space that we had no business being in, but we found ourselves in every single day. And we were able to share that with different people all over the world. We're going to talk about a project called Developing Digital Disciples that we partnered with Satellite Gaming uh, in the Pacific Northwest, Jamie Harris and his crew out there, and also UIWI, Urban Youth Workers Institute. And you've heard a lot over the last couple of talks about a little thing called the pandemic that happened around 2020. My personal story is that I became a full-time nerd culture missionary just mere months before the whole pandemic hit. And so that meant that I was leaving my job here at this church. You guys are at my church right now. This is where I served for eight and a half years, okay? I was technology director here for all of that time. And so I was leaving the security of, of a paycheck. I was leaving the security of, you know, benefits and, you know, all sorts of good stuff that come with jobs because God had called me to do something else, something a little bit more radical, something that was a little bit more in my wheelhouse maybe, not that I'm not good at those other things, but when God calls us to do something, we have to move in that direction. So in October of, of 2019, that's when I decided that this was going to be the best time to move on. And I did, and it became the most difficult thing that I'd ever done. It was actually pretty good for the first couple of months, and then about February, March rolled around, and then it was completely different. Um, I was actually at a convention in, oh man, where was it? Where's the Pepperdine? Reno. No, 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 I wasn't in Austin. No, I was in Reno, uh, which I don't recommend. It's just a weird place to be. But I was in Reno um, at a, at a uh, gamma fair for board games and like industry stuff. And I remember people, people from Poland being there and that had flown in from across the pond and they're like, we have to leave right now. And some of them left just in time to get home and be like quarantined away from their families for four weeks at that point because it was just getting started. Nobody knew it was happening. So it was this weird time where we were having to learn new things. Like the entire world was having to learn completely new systems on how to love and just even interact with people in their space and outside of their space. And working in church, uh, it was absolutely no different. How many of you worked in church through the pandemic? Yeah. Just about everybody. <laughs> sorry. I am so sorry for that. That was a rough time because the only thing the church had known up until that point was in-person stuff. And it was pushed big time. You got to be here. You got to be in the building. If you're not in the building, uh, it doesn't count. And sometimes it actually didn't like actually count. count. They wouldn't count you as attended if you were joining online or anything like that. 
And so the church was no different in that space, and actually it was, it was a little bit more difficult to do that because we found ourselves in these increasingly like awkward spaces, places that we didn't want to be at all. We were longing to be in a completely different space than the one that we were in. And one thing that I kept hearing over and over and over again, and maybe you heard it too, was, oh, I just can't wait to get back to normal. And I was like, I don't, you don't want, I have to be the one to tell you, this is it, this is normal. This is our new normal. But when we live in spaces where we only find comfortability in those spaces, then that's what we're going to seek out time and time and time again. And when things change and we're not able to be nimble enough, it breaks us. And we feel like we can't do anything and maybe God's not moving and he's not speaking to me anymore because things got just a little bit hard. Now, I'm not saying that it was just a little bit hard in the pandemic. I'm not saying that. But our circumstances changed enough that even though the tools were right there in front of us, we were unwilling to adapt. And so we long to be in these spaces. That's kind of what we do a lot as Christians. You guys ever heard anybody or maybe been the one that's used the phrase, well, I'm just waiting to go home, waiting to be with God, waiting for God. To, this, is, this place is not my home. I'm waiting for him to call me on. When we live with that kind of a mentality, what does it tell people around us? What is, it, what is it conveying to those people? It's conveying to them that the time that we're spending right now, the thing that Mike was talking about, the here, the now, the present, it just doesn't matter. When it absolutely does. The people that we come in contact with every single day, they matter just as much as the next person and the next person and the next person. At Love Thy Nerd, we tell people all the time, like, hey, I do not care what your religious affiliation, what your sexual orientation, or any other delineator that would divide you against me in any other situation. I don't care about that because the verse that got me the most candy when I was a kid, John 3.16, kind of covers this situation, that God loves you so much that he died for you. And I don't care who you are. There's no name there. It actually says the whole world, that Jesus came to save the whole world, not the people that look like me, not the people that think like me, not the people that speak like me, or will come to know Jesus in the same way that you or I do. That's not it. It's literally everybody blanket statement across the board, that he came to give everybody the opportunity. And so when people ask me questions like that, well, you know, what do you think about this and that? I was like, I, I think that Jesus loves absolutely every single person on the face of the planet. And it's not my job to decide who he does and does not want to call into his service or he does and does not want to save. I reconcile that with passages all the time, like he has compassion on whom he has, those whom he has compassion and he has mercy on those whom he has mercy. That's tough. But again, I'm not the one that's deciding where those things lay. And so our job as Christians, what we try to do with Love Thy Nerd, is just to be there in those spaces with people so that they can know, hey, what you love matters because it matters to you and you matter to God. That's the great equalizer. It's not my theological stance. It's not my, my doctrinal take on any certain passage. I know that my God loves you fiercely and he desires to have a relationship with you even if you don't with him. So he will continue to call you over and over and over again. And if that is with me, then that's where we'll be. So we realized that there was this dichotomy, Right? There was this longing to be in a completely different space from the church. While we over at Love Thy Nerd, it's like, shoot, man, most of the time that we're hanging out with people, it's online. Because we might meet people 
You know, you saw a picture um, from Gen Con that Zach showed. You, we might meet somebody when we're hanging out with 60,000 of our closest friends in Indianapolis, okay? And we don't get to actually see them again for a whole other year. How are we supposed to continue the relationship if I only see somebody once a year? If I'm only talking to somebody once a year? That's a Facebook friend. That's an acquaintance. That's not a relationship. But what we found is that's not completely dissimilar to how a lot of us have relationships with Jesus. We think that once a week with a pastor on a stage is just enough. I got what I needed. But it's not. And so we're finding ways to use digital spaces to create digital disciples. And I know that so many of you are already doing that. You're finding ways to engage in all this stuff. But if we are not willing and able to adapt to the circumstances that surround us, we'll die. Take Zoom for an example. How many of you knew Zoom existed before the pandemic? Yeah. How many of you are in the business world that raised your hand, right? Like, that's kind of what it was. That's all that it was, was a way for professionals to talk to one another because they already have people like in Japan and the United States and maybe UK. Zoom was not ready for the influx that happened, but they were the first to adapt. And because of that, how many of you now have a Zoom account? Yeah, more than the last set of hands that were raised. And so that's the thing. And it actually caused other people in the industry to follow suit with that. The reason we have Discord and the, the way that we have Discord, the reason we have like Google Chats and the way that we have like Microsoft Teams and all that, all that was pushed because people needed to meet in a space. There was something that needed to change. There was, there was something that needed to be adapted. And it only took one company to say, we're going to do it and we're going to take the market share for everybody else to go. Well, but not the whole market share, though. So you guys being here, this is early adopter stuff. I've been doing it for 10 years. Magnus, how, many, how long have you been doing it, man? Yeah, 21 total, 14 at Riot alone, right? Like Christians in the gaming space is not new, but this stuff rising to the top, organizations, people talking about it, being vocal about it, drawing people into D&D &D games, that's been happening all behind the scenes. And so what we're trying to do right here with Nerd Culture Ministries Summit is give you an opportunity to step out of the shadows because you don't need to be there. The people are there. You heard, you heard the statistics. Dude, Susie gave you a statistic in the first keynote. That is an old statistic. That's a statistic from 2020. He said 3.02 billion gamers. 3.09. It's 3.2 billion gamers now. That's the most recent statistic that we have. The crazy thing about that statistic is when you marry it with how many Christians there are on the, on the planet. 2.6 is the most conservative number that we have right now. 2.6 billion Christians, according to census data. You guys know how census data works? <laughs> hey, are you a Christian? Uh, yeah, I think my grandma went to church one time, or uh, yeah, I was, I was raised Catholic, or... Yeah, I think I got a cross hanging on my wall. Yeah, I think I'm Christian. Yeah. The way that they get the number of gamers is, is by stuff that Wes understands, and I don't. Unique logins, data that has no agenda, stuff like that. And that's just video gamers. They're not, it's not even logging anything else. It's just logging the hard data of when you click sign in or download. So you've got this massive dichotomy that says, hey, the people absolutely are sitting in your pews 
Mr. and Miss, Miss Pastor, Miss Deacon, whatever. They're in your congregation. Why would you not go after them? It almost seems irresponsible to not, right? But having been in the church, I know that the last thing that we need, the last thing that pastors need is for somebody to go, hey, uh, you should start this ministry. Yeah. Has that worked for a whole lot of people? I kid you not, man. We've, we've had some pretty crazy stuff. We've had people that have come into this church. I've got somebody from our staff sitting over there, so maybe he'll laugh about this, that would come in and go, hey, we need to start a handbag ministry. What does that mean? I don't even know what to do with that. But we did it, and it doesn't exist anymore. Because there was no sustainability in it. And so the thought process is, what can we do to help equip other people, what can we do to equip you? What can Love Thy Nerd, what can Nerd Culture Ministry Summit and Lux Digital Church do together that we could not do apart to help empower and encourage you all to go and be effective and love the nerds better in your space than you did before you came? So this is something that we, like I said, developed with UIWI, and I promise we're going to get into it, and it's actually pretty simple. Hence the preamble, hence all of that stuff. It is not difficult and it breaks down into four easy things that you can do and the very first thing is to find affinity. You guys know what affinity means? Affinity is what's the thing they like? What's the thing that draws them out? What's the thing that people naturally gravitate to without you having to poke them and push them into a corner? They're always gonna wanna do that. Mark told you for him, it's D&D. Strip everything else away, it's D&D. This affinity can also be found when I'm talking to people and they're like, well, what's a nerd? What exactly is a nerd? And I'll say, well, what's the one thing that when you're talking to somebody, you feel like you've done them a disservice by not bringing that thing up? Like you've left a cavity in the conversation by not talking about that thing. That's the affinity. It could be D&D. could be video games. It could be board games. It could be fantasy football. It could be soccer. It could be whatever's the newest thing on Netflix, or it could be farming equipment. I don't know. Whatever the thing is, this is where we have to start. Because what this means, this means that we are going to do the hard work. Remember I said we're going to do some hard work. The hard work is that I'm going to do the research necessary to build a relationship with somebody. We tend to think, as Christians... I think Mike said this earlier. We tend to think as Christians that um, people will, will just be so glad that we showed up. Aren't you glad I'm here? Man, you're so lucky I showed up today. Man, you're going to get saved. It's going to be great. Everything's going to be fantastic. We want to go from one to 100 in a single conversation. And I'll tell you right now, that just never happens. You never go from one to 100. If you have that conversation where you feel like that's happened, I promise you that there is just years of work that has been done before that. There are other people who have loved that person well, who have ministered to that person that God has used to touch that person's heart and life. It ain't you doing all of that. But we want that, right? And I think that we're taught that from a church perspective, from a, a larger ministry perspective, that our goal is to go out there and to yell at somebody until they accept Jesus. Are we just trying to get a number up? Are we trying to raise, raise the decimal points a little bit? Like, is that what we're doing? Or are we actually trying to create disciples? Are we trying to find people 
that are going to move into relationship with Jesus and become disciples themselves that then disciple others and disciple others. It's already been said, the church is one generation away from being extinct. Always. Always. Not a couple of people. Not a couple of people away. A single generation away. And so, it's important that we take time and we do the research. And that means if you have somebody in your life that you feel like, maybe I need to talk to this person, maybe you're not sure if God's telling you to do it or not, that's fine. You're allowed to just go and talk to people without it being an overly spiritual experience every single time it happens. What are you going to do in order to find the affinity? It's so simple. It's so simple. You just find out whatever that thing is that they care about, and then you find a way to care about it too. If it's Fortnite, God help us all if it's Fortnite, right? I mean, we got to, hey, we got, Miss P's cracked. I'm telling you, Llama's cracked. Like, it's a crazy thing. I, I told them earlier, I said, when no build mode came into Fortnite, I knew I was going to just, like, I was going to run the table on it. I'm still not good at the game. It just doesn't happen like that. But if that's the thing that somebody likes and you're like, man, I really want to build a relationship with Llama Miss P, you, know, you get into Fortnite and you learn how to play Fortnite. That's the only way it's going to be able to happen. But you can't do that until you know that that's the thing that they like. If I came in, I was like, hey, you guys should come play Warzone with me. And they're like, mm, nah, we're not doing that. Hey, you guys want to play uh, online chess? Uh, n absolutely, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, okay, we got one chesser. Anybody wants to play? Uh, two, okay, there you go. You can have a game. Uh, but, I mean, if, if you're trying to come at somebody from your angle... It's, it's like trying to, try, trying to meet somebody's need with your love language instead of theirs, right? It's just, it just, it never clicks. It's awkward. It doesn't fit. It's not right. And so finding the things that people actually care about is really all that you should do. And you can do that by eavesdropping. If you're an introvert, I see you. I see those, those lowered hands. I got gotcha. you. If you're an introvert, you can just listen. People have no problem talking about the things that they love and care about. No problem. A person's favorite subject is themselves. 100% it is. Just get us talking about the thing that we love or what we're doing. I, it, when somebody asks me about LTN, I'm just like, how much time you got? Like, what, what are we doing here? Are you trying to go to the bathroom right now? Or like, what, are we going to go to lunch? Because I will talk so much about LTN because it is important to me. It's a passion of mine, and it's the thing that God has called me to do. When you can find that thing for somebody else, you will get them talking about themselves, and they will now know that you care about them because every time you talk, you're not just talking about yourself. When you find that thing, here's the thing that you can actually do. When you find out what that thing is and you still don't know, say, let's say it is Fortnite and you just don't understand it. What does it mean? I had somebody ask me, what does it mean to be cracked at Fortnite? I was like, I just, man, I don't know. I've, I've never, um, I know what the internet says. But it's, it's one of those deals where what you can do is if it's Fortnite, you type Fortnite into the Googlebot, and then you click on the first link, and you learn five keywords from that search. And then you use each one of those words in a different sentence when you talk to somebody about that thing. Hey, what do you think about Season one coming back. I don't know what that means, but it doesn't matter. You are now a curious learner, a curious learner with intentionality. 
You're not saying, uh, what's that? What's that dumb game you play? Where you shoot the shoot the the, the little pinata thing? And they're like, oh, this person does not care at all about what I'm about to say to them. But if you ask them about, hey, what do you think about season one coming back? Did you like? Did you like it when it didn't have no build in it? Like, the, you could, they'll do the rest. <laughs> they don't even need you at that point. You're a sounding board. But it is told that person that you absolutely care about them. There's a great philosopher. Um, his name is Michael Scott. And um, he, once said, he once said this. He said, adapt, react. Readapt, apt. Right? Yeah, that's deep. Andy gets it. I cannot tell you how many times, I can tell you how many times I've watched The Office, uh, eight times all the way through. And so, um, that sounded like a brag in my head. It just did not come out that way. <laughs> that was way different. Uh, but, I, so I, I've heard that at least eight times, and I guarantee I've heard it a lot more. And every time I was like, ah, ha, ha, that's so silly, whatever. And I was thinking about it this morning, and I was like, oh, no. That was one of those times where, like, Michael Scott sounded like an idiot, but knew exactly what he was saying. So think about that. Adapt. Change what you normally would do. React. Based on the thing that you have just learned, now you're doing something. If that doesn't work, readapt. And once you figure it out, you are now apt. Apt in what? Apt in being nimble? Apt in jumping around? Yeah doesn't mean you're the best at anything. doesn't mean that you, you're above and beyond the people around you. It just means that when things are happening, you can step into those situations and go, hey, uh, if, if, if another pandemic hits, I'm ready. If the internet goes down tomorrow, I'm ready. Whatever the things throw at us, our ministries are not built on the backs of our circumstances. They're built on Jesus. And you'll find out if that is true for your ministry when that thing happens. But my hope and my prayer is that you guys can find the affinities for people in your life to be able to adapt to whatever is happening in theirs. Once you have found the affinity, the next step is to gain proximity. That's simpler than the first one. Proximity is just closeness. So I've learned all the things that I need to know about Fortnite. But if I just have that information, all I do is retain that information, and I never get close to anybody enough, long enough to use it, then what's the point of having the information? Again, I step back, and I use my church mindset, and I'm like, man, we've been doing that for a very long time. Only going to Bible studies, maybe even only leading Bible studies, but never actually stepping out and doing anything, never getting into the spaces where other people are. I've got a couple of uh, spicy takes myself, and one of them is this. And this is really interesting because the guy that sits on our staff, how, well, then how long you been on staff? 40 years. 40 years, okay? Weldon is an exception to the rule here for what I'm about to say. I think, I think that church staff should have a 10-year stint. And then I think that that doesn't disqualify you. I just think that then you should have to go out into the real world and see how it is actually moving and shaking. Maybe for a, maybe take a gap year. Everybody likes that word. Just take a gap year, right? And then you're able to come back. But you understand because you've had to, you're out of church, you're out of the system, that you then understand, 
okay, well, maybe some of these things that we think will work actually won't work. You move from an architect to like an as-built contractor. Sometimes, I don't know if you guys have ever done this, sometimes uh, architects will say, uh, this, this staircase needs to go right here. And you're like, it can't mean that. There's a wall there. Like, it leads to absolutely nothing. And you're like, well, no, you don't understand. It's load-bearing. Well, that's not how stairs work. Like, it's just, that's not the thing. But we do that spiritually all the time. And so if we're not gaining the proximity, if we're not getting close to the people that God is actually calling us to be close to and, and to just make change happen in their life for the cause of Christ, then it doesn't matter what else you do. So if that means that most of the people that you're trying to reach are playing Fortnite, you're playing Fortnite. If that means that most of the people that you're trying to reach are playing softball, you're going to the games. Or football, or chess club, or debate, or whatever it is. If most of your people are hanging out every Thursday night at the Denny's, go to the Denny's. Be where they are. Create and gain proximity because they don't care that you exist somewhere else. A lot of times what we do at the church is we try to draw them into our space. Hey, we made this building. Come on. And we have this field of dreams mentality that if you build it, they will come. And we've built a couple of buildings. And if you build it, they will visit. And if they don't like what they see, they'll leave. And the same is true for your digital spaces as well. So everything that Zach was saying about your stories and how you're talking to people without saying words, and like all that's super important. But it is even more important when you leave those spaces and go to the places where other people are. Because again, it's all about showing people that you care about them enough to build a relationship in their spaces. So uh, we've heard a lot about the woman at the well, the Sumerian woman at the well. And uh, I'm so mad that everybody used that story because it's one of my favorite ones. It's what we built LTN kind of around. Um, what Jesus did not do, I won't belabor that because we've already talked about it. What Jesus did not do was stand on the outside of where the well was in Samaria and say, Hey, lady! Come over here. He didn't do that. He went to her, to the well. Jesus had already done his homework. He had already found the affinity. He knew what was going on. He knew that she had to be at that well. He knew what time she had to be at that well. He knew everything he needed to know about her in order to make the move that he was going to make. And so he then started to gain proximity. Jesus, for a thousand reasons, should never have been there. Culturally, contextually, spiritually, all that stuff. He should never have been there. That was just not a thing that happened. But he went anyway. Because he knew that that was where he needed to be in order to meet her needs. And he did. And her life was forever changed. And so we at LTN use that principle. We call it the woman at the well principle. Scar was talking about it earlier. He said, you know, sometimes you just want to be where the people are. We call that the aerial principle. I want to be where the people are. You know, it's, it's a little mermaid thing. Yeah. I don't want to sing too much. We'll get, you know, a strike or something. Um, but you can do a lot of things to gain proximity. But the first thing you have to do is take the step out of the space that you're in. And sometimes that's the hardest thing to do. It's uncomfortable. We have systems here that we like. We have things here that we like. 
Once you're able to do that, you move on to the next thing, which is you actually start to grow in influence. Influence is a tricky one, right? Because we think that influence is, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something and then people are going to, they're going to do what I say. Or I'm going to tell them to buy a product and then they're going to buy that product and I'm going to get a, you know, a, a .05 kickback and man, I'm going to retire. We think that's what influence means. As Christians, we should be influencing people. Craig Rochelle says this all the time. He says, you know, everybody wins when a leader gets better. Everybody wins when a leader gets better. And you are all leaders. And I like to say everybody has influence, but not everybody should. It's one of those things, man. Like it's some people get, some people skip spots in the line. Some people move straight to grow influence without having any of the work done to find the affinity or gaining any of the proximity. And when that happens, the system breaks. It absolutely breaks. It crumbles right in front of you. But if you can do the things in order, what are they like? All right, I'm going to learn about it. Where are they at? Okay, I'm going to go there. All right, now I'm growing an influence is not just I've done the two things, now I get the influence. This is a process. Now you're spending time with them. Now they understand that you care about the things that they care about. And you're not just showing up at the times that are convenient for you. Somebody's sending you a Discord message at 10.58 p.m. asking if you want to hop into a lobby. And then you have a hard decision to make. And then you log in. And if you've ever done that, if, you've ever, if that's ever been your scenario, your situation, you know that logging in at that almost 11 o'clock hour when you're trying to go to bed, those are some of the best conversations, the sweetest times that you'll ever have with another human being because they're tired, you're tired, and when that happens, guards are down. And you can be real, and people are people. It's not about convenience. Again, we talked about comfortability at the top of this. It's not what it's about. It's about finding ways to love people in the spaces where they are. And when you do that, it unlocks this magical box um, that is the lock on that, is that people are just not going to care at all about the things you have to say until they know that you care about them. And once you can show that, and you're not lying about it, you're not, you're not like, it's not a front. They can actually see, wow, this person cares about me. This person has asked me every week for the last eight weeks how I'm doing. And they actually care how I'm doing. If you ask somebody how they're doing and they say fine, you should say, how you really doing? And watch them. <laughs> watch them squirm a little bit. Like, oh, what do you, what do you mean? Like, I, what? I could have just said nothing. Like that, it actually does more harm for me to ask you how, how you're doing and not to care. So if you do care about the people that you're spending time with, do the work, and you will gain the influence. And then people will start to make decisions, maybe not even based on the things that you're telling them to do, but the way that you're living your life and how you are being Jesus in those moments. We do a thing at LTN called, um, I call it passive discipleship. And this is, if you choose to be around me, past our initial interaction, okay? Sometimes you just can't help that. We meet each other, and I apologize, right? But if you choose, if you choose to be around me for any amount of time past that, and you know who I am and what I do, then you will be passively discipled from that moment on. You will see how I will react based on the wisdom that God has given me and the discernment that I have on 
how I think Jesus would or would not act in every situation. That's all well and fine. But what really pushes that line is when I mess up. When I say something I shouldn't have said to somebody. When I'm, you know, angry to my kids. When I brush my wife off. When I say something off color, whatever it is. And in those moments, people go, oh, man. Bubba, I I thought you were different. You got two options in that moment. You can go, well, you know, yeah, I'm tired. Had a long week. Or you could say, you know what? You're right. You're right. Because relationships and influence are a two-way street. They have to be. If they're not, they don't work at all. But again, if I step back into church, a lot of us have that kind of a relationship with Jesus too, where we don't let him influence us. We just get to talk to him. He doesn't get to talk to us. We say amen so quick that we don't, we don't even get a chance to listen to what he might be saying to us. So our relationship with Jesus reflects all of this. And you can put Jesus in every single one of these spaces. Are you finding the things that God cares about? Are you spending time in his word with his people? Are you getting closer to God? Are you spending time with his people, maybe inside a church, maybe outside a church, on mission? Are you growing in influence? Are you letting God speak to you and move your heart in ways that you never, ever, ever would have thought that it could? And the last one, if you've done all of those things, is you leave a legacy. This is discipleship. This is it doesn't end with me. When we restructured Love Thy Nerd about a year and a half ago now, we said that if if we want an LTN that lasts beyond us, we have to have an LTN that's not about us. It's so easy in our world, digitally, to be the face to be the voice, to be the everything. What's really hard is stepping back and giving somebody else the limelight. What's really hard is stepping back and saying, hey, uh, I I see this in you and I think that God's moving in a special way. What's really hard is saying, hey, I see that design flaw. This is me speaking personally. I see that design flaw in something, but I asked you to do that. And so I I want to honor that. You leave a legacy of discipleship as you go through this process. But what happens is, like I said, we want to skip all those steps and go to the one that we like the best. If I were to tell you about my wife, who is just the greatest person who's ever lived, okay? Jesus notwithstanding. Um, if I were to tell you about my wife, I could tell you all the greatest things about my wife. And I love her fiercely, and she's great, and she, oh, man, she's just the best um, she makes the most amazing uh, pumpkin whoopie pies. Like, it's just, it's fantastic, right? If at the end of that conversation, you don't also love my wife the same way that I do, should I be mad about that? Should I be mad about that? No, the answer is no. I shouldn't be mad about that. Jeez, you guys said no. Maybe, maybe I should. I don't know. No, you, you shouldn't. Nobody should be mad about that. But that's how we treat relationships with Jesus, with the people out in the world. Well, I, I stood here and I talked to you and I gave you, I gave you this little piece of paper. What are you waiting on? And it's like they have none of the experiences that you have. Not a single one. Give them time. Love people well. Find out the things that they care about. Get close to them. Let them speak to you. Speak to them. Share burdens together. And then leave a legacy. 
even if it's not with that person, we practice a thing called splash damage because we're nerds, okay? So if I'm focusing on one person and I'm doing all this stuff with one person, we've seen this work already. If I'm focusing on one person, that person may never come to know Jesus in the way that I do, but we've already seen the people around that person come up and say, hey, thank you for pouring into that person. Now my life is different. We're always concerned about the wrong results. But this almost sounds like it didn't have anything to do with digital disciples because it's principle-based. We were able to take things that we knew were tried and true, that we had seen be effective over time in this space and in other areas of ministry and say, you know what? It works online too. All you need is a way to gain the proximity online. You got a Discord? You got a Twitch channel? You streaming on YouTube? At that time it was Facebook? Oh, woof. We just have to adapt all of these things to the spaces that we find ourselves. So it doesn't matter if you're an IRL missionary, if you're a pastor, if you're a digital missionary, a live streamer, an influencer, it doesn't matter. You can help walk people through that process and leave a legacy with your community that then fosters more people that love Jesus in mighty and powerful ways. And if you guys have any questions about how to do any of that stuff, what it looks like, you can come with us on mission. Uh, Mark gave a really bad, <laughs> a really bad uh, commercial for us. He told you how hard it was. I like for people to experience that. Um, <laughs> but you can come with us on mission. Lovethynerd.com. I'd love to talk to you more about that and how you can love and serve the nerds that are in your space because maybe building a house in Nicaragua is not your jam. Maybe it's not. It wasn't mine. I hung, I hung my back door, and it rotted off the hinges. I don't need to go anywhere and build anybody's house. That's not loving. It's not caring. But I can play a game with somebody. I can teach them how to play a game. I can make that experience be the most fun that they've ever had at a table. And that earns me the right to speak truth into their life when nobody else can. Let's pray. God, we love you, and we thank you for all of the things that you do in our life. We thank you for the time that you spend with us and that you let us spend with you. And we thank you for the influence that you have in our lives. And, and God, we just ask that you would teach us some small way how to take this from this place here to exactly where you want us to be. I don't know where that is. I have no idea where that is. But God, I want you to, to us. I want you to help us understand where you are calling us to. Thank you for these people. Thank you for their hearts and their desire to be part of something that is much, much, much bigger than themselves. Pray this in your name, Jesus. <laughs>